tonight, 2 Corinthians in chapter 10. I'm going to pick up where we left off last week. We're reading verses 1 through 6. 1 through 6. This was a sermon uh, that has turned into a bit of a little series. And um, I got the introduction done last week. Tonight, uh, we're going to try to get through one point um, and possibly two this evening. But I'm not going to rush it. I want to take our time this evening. I also want to leave a bit of time on the back end uh, for us to commit some time to prayer during our prayer meeting. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning in verse 1, the Bible says, Now now I, Paul, myself beseech you by the meekness and gentleness of Christ, who in present and base among you, but be in absent and bold towards you. But I beseech you that I may not be bold when I am present with you, that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some, which think of us as if we walk according to the flesh. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience, when your obedience is fulfilled. So what I want to speak to you tonight, guys, again, Paul is speaking about boldness, and yet he proclaims to be base, and he's entreating the the Corinthians by the meekness and the gentleness of Christ, and he mentions the word confidence in verse two, and, and that's the particular point. That's the topic. That's the uh, the, the topic that I want to speak to you. And just a, br- a brief review, guys. The context of this section in Second Corinthians is a very serious, serious context. Paul is now writing, if you notice, in the singular. Uh, He has put away the side of we, and he's changed it to I. It's a very serious note, the topic he's got to address, what he is going to deal with. It signifies that it's a highly personal nature, this particular topic. He also removes his Timothy. He removes Timothy from the context as well, which really and truly is a very forceful phase in the letter, and I understand it's all inspired by the Holy Spirit of God, and God is controlling every word, every jot, every tittle uh, the Lord is having Paul put there, but he's writing it now in this singular verse as being moved by the Holy Spirit of God. Paul is going to deal with his critics, both with false teachers who have crept into the church, as well as their followers. And so these will be those uh, who had not exercised in the revival uh, that we've read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 2 through 6. Uh, these will be some that came in afterwards, after Paul departed. Remember, Paul warned the churches. You know, after his departure, grievous wolves are going to come in, you know, sparing not the flock. And you're going to find that, amen? Uh, one thing that I learned, that when there's a little bit of light, there's going to be a little bit of pest, amen? And that's what's going to happen. So we're finding a confrontation here. And again, I said this last week, it's a well-deserved confrontation. Uh, the church needed to, uh, to make sure that false teachers did not regain a foothold within the local body. But they also needed the assurance of the, the planter of the church, uh, from Paul, that he was going to ta- take it personally, that he would personally correct these critics and those who had not repented, repented and who were stirring up the issues within the church. He's going to deal with them. And he was going to deal with those not only attacking him, but he was going to deal with the ones who were bringing in false doctrines. Again, we already know the Corinthian church was a mess. Uh, It was a mess, some because of the false doctrines that were being brought in by these wolves in sheep clothing. And it was also a mess just because, I mean, man, these were baby Christians. I mean, when you look and see of those that this church was made up of, man, it was made up of every single walk of life 
every sin that you can think of. I mean, they're all in there, saved, born again, and they're all excited, and they needed to get things in order. Remember, Paul commanded that all things be done decently and in order. So with all this said here tonight, Paul's boldness, okay, his confidence, if you will, was not where, uh, uh, his boldness, I should say, was not where his confidence rested. Paul had every ability known to man to have his boldness, his confidence rest in his boldness because he was, he was more intelligent than all of them. He was more educated. He had more revelation. All of these things could have lifted him up to where his, his confidence been rested in his boldness, in his loud speak, in his harsh tones, and all this and that. But that's not where Paul uh, sat with his confidence. Now, with the confrontation, Paul also understood as he writes to, in Romans chapter 12, verse 18, he said, if it be possible, as much as life in you, live peaceably with all men. I'm repeating myself from last week just by way of introduction and review tonight. Uh, guys, everyone is not going to like you, all right? And you're not going to like everyone. And that's okay, all right? As much as lieth in you, live, you can live peaceably with those who don't like you. You can live peaceably with those that you don't like. You can still get along, high five, fist bump, even meet them out for a coffee every now and then. But everyone on the planet does not have to like you. That's the problem that we're finding today in our modern churches, that everybody wants to be liked and loved and lifted up. And uh, they all want to be, you know, the, the person that everybody wants to have their, 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 their shine and their spotlight, their position, their act. Everybody wants that. And when one person doesn't like them, out of a thousand, man, the whole world comes to an end. And they can't, they just can't handle it. They can't handle the pressure, okay? Beloved, if you're going to stand on truth, you're going to have more people who do not like you than do. I'm not saying do it on purpose. I never have believed that we ought to just say things and do things just to stir the pot up. That, guys, that's weak, shallow, that's shallow, weak preaching, man. We know plenty of guys, and Preston and I especially can attest to this, coming from the States, that uh, the shock and all type of preaching, the guys get behind the pulpit, and they use the pulpit as a dummy whip, man, and, and they just throw these birds, these buzzwords out so the, you know, the other idiots in the crowd will go, hey, man, and all that. I mean, guys, listen. That, God ain't any, he ain't even, he's not even on the same avenue with that kind of stuff. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to pick out a certain group of people to bash to be popular amongst another group of people. I think that's silly, amen? But at the end of the day, you stand upon what is right. Do it out of grace and love. Remember, Paul's getting ready to address a confrontation. Paul's getting ready to take the gloves off and square up on some guys who are attacking the church. I told you what I would do if you attacked me. I, said, I made it very clear last week, didn't I? I, made it very I got home and Denise had some choice words for me. She was like, everything okay? I was like, everything's fine. Yeah, but I told you what I would do if you try to try to harm this church or our churches. Uh, I'm very clear about that. But I'll do it in the meekness, meekness and gentleness of Christ. Amen. Paul's getting ready to address the critics. He's addressing the confrontation, and yet he beseeches them by meekness and gentleness of Christ. And so that is what is important for us to understand. So where is our confidence tonight? This is what I want us to look at. We're going to look at one point. I know at least this evening, maybe two. But is our confidence, is it found within our boldness, our brashness, our brazenness? Um, I mean, is that is it being brutal toward others? Is that where our confidence is found? Do we get a little ego trip when we do those kind of things? And beloved, if that be the case, and again, you know, end of review, you're going to lose the battle. 
If your confidence is found in your boldness, how loud you can speak, or how brave, how brazen you can be, and well, I just put them back in their place, and I said this, and I said, if that's where your confidence is found, you're going to lose the battle. All right, you're at least going to lose the war. You understand? But we need to understand that our confidence must rest in somewhere else. So the first thing we need to recognize, beloved, is Paul is writing back to these critics, and as we address the topic of confidence and where it should lie in our life. Is that first we need to recognize that there is a present reality. Verse 3, here, here is the present reality. And when I say present reality, guys, can I ask you a question tonight? What year are you living in right now? 2023. What month? What day? 11th, right? 11th of October, 2023, correct? We're not living in 2020, hallelujah. <laughs> and we're not living in 2024. You know where we're living? We're living in the present, and that's all we have. Yesterday, five minutes ago, two seconds ago, that's gone. It, it, it's history. What we have now is a present reality. Paul's present reality that he was addressing were He's on this topic of confidence. It's found in verse 3 where he says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Guys, this is not, he's not speaking of past tense. He's not speaking of future. He's speaking of his life right here and right now. We don't war after the flesh. You know, listen, we do not war after the flesh. We do not walk in the flesh. I mean, we walk in the flesh, we live in the flesh. But we don't have, our battle is not there. There is a reality that is before you and I. There is a warfare that is going on with our life today. But the warfare that we are fighting in this world is not a battle of the flesh. It's not a battle where success is going to be found between tricks of the trade or multiple step programs or, or positions of power. I, I know I've, I've kind of kicked a dead horse with this next thing that I'm going to say. But guys, I, I think we read that there was over 1,500 self-help books produced every single year. All right. Do you know why there's new ones coming out every year? Because the ones that came out last year didn't, take, didn't, take, didn't stick. Amen? <laughs> Do you know how Slimming World gets so many people to stay with them? My wife's favorite place. Mainly, mainly because it doesn't work. But there's a false sense of hope, a false sense of security that you have by showing up at Slimming World and letting somebody tell you something and, and, and all this and that. And maybe you lose a pound here, gain a pound here, you know, half a stone here, half a stone there. You know, all these little things just to keep you, just enough to keep you going. You understand? Those are tricks of the trade. Those are marketing schemes. As a Christian today, as a child of God, a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, our battle's not fought with those tricks. They're not fought with a carrot before the horse. And they're not going to be won through multiple step programs. They're not going to be won through self-help books. They're not going to be won through those things. We're, we are not going to succeed in the battle that we are in today. It's going to take more than education, all right? It's going to take more than education. Let me say that. Paul had more education than anyone, and yet he's the one saying, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. That's a present reality. 
You can have, listen, I got more degrees than the thermometer behind my name. And I can tell you not one of those degrees tonight is going to help me in this battle right here. I have more degrees than everybody in this room tonight combined. And not one of those things are going to help me in the midst of the battle that we have. It's a present reality. Again, I'm not against education. Please don't take that the wrong way. I think we should be educated, but I believe we shouldn't think that our education is going to help us and give us the confidence that we need to fight this battle, amen. I know men who didn't make it past a sixth grade education, and they got more spiritual fortitude and more spiritual battles and fight in them than, the, than all the professors in every college on the universe today, amen. Having knowledge is great, and I believe we should exercise. I mean, uh, you know, we should exercise to that knowledge. And, uh, you know, it's something that we should give attendance to. I believe that we should gain as much education as possible. But there is a difference in, in between having wisdom and having knowledge. Whereas knowledge may be considered power, wisdom is the ability to know how, when, and where to use such knowledge. So your, 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 your confidence is not rested in your education. It's not rested there. Wisdom, simply put, is a commodity rarely found in our world today. So having all the knowledge in the world and not having the, the ability to convey it to others is utterly useless. If we're going to succeed in this battle today where our confidence is resting in our world uh, this evening, it's going to take more than energy. Amen? I can guarantee you that. Okay? Now, energy is a necessity. We need it. I believe that we should make all the changes in our life so that we have more energy. I think we ought to get a good night's sleep so we can get up early in the morning and we can start our day and we can live our life the way we should. I think we ought to make changes in our diet and what we put into our body and our exercise. For all of those things, we have, we have the discipline to change in our life so that we have the energy to put forth in the ministry of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when we fail to do so, we're failing the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, preacher. But it's going to take more than energy. You know, we walk in the flesh every single day. Living in this world, we're living in the flesh. and It means we are living and we're breathing entities, yet the, many of the struggles that you and I face, it's behind the doors of everyday life. I read a quote years ago, and I've seen it bounce around the, the internet over the last couple of years, but the quote says, um, just because someone carries it well doesn't mean the load's not heavy. We deal with things in our life that are hidden, deep, dark, in the depths of our mind. That energy is not going to cover up in the midst of this battle. The stresses are emotional. They're depressing, doubt, insecurity, anger, lustful, all of these different things that war in our minds, that war in our members. Energy is not going to win with those. Energy will get you to the next door to get that John and Romans through there. Energy will get you up and get you in church. Energy will get you behind the pulpit. Energy will get you to sing. Energy will get you to do a lot of things that other people cannot do. But energy will not help you win the battle of the mind. Your confidence can't be in the energy, man. You're talking to a guy for the majority of time of his life. Up until probably a decade ago, I slept three hours a night. 
and I, and I didn't miss a beat during the day. And I can tell you right now, all the energy in the world didn't help me with the battle of anger. It didn't help me with the battle of depression. It didn't help me with the battle of, of, of losing the emotional battles at times. It didn't help me, amen? I couldn't run fast enough to get away from it. So the answer, or even the solution, meaning our, our, confident, our confidence mustn't rest in the amount of caffeine that we can ingest, if you will. It's only going to hide and the underlying issues that we're facing in this life today. So, beloved, if we're going to succeed in the battle today, it's going to take more than education. There is a present reality that, yes, we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. It's going to take more than education. It's going to take more than energy. And, beloved, it, believe it or not, it's going to take more than excitement. Now, this is a good one. Not one person in here spends 24 hours a day excited amen you just don't i think we should be excited about the right things at the right time at the right places amen you know i was telling denise and i was we was in a conversation in the hour trip it took us to get to church tonight and uh you guys know me well enough i don't i don't i mean i don't like giving my pulpit up you know i i wanted preston to preach tonight to be honest with you but, man, I'm like a dog with a bone, and I, and I never have. I've, I've, I've been pastoring for, tw well, 25 years, man, 26 years now, I think it is, 27. I don't know how long, but a long time. Amen? And when I pastored in Tennessee, I, I, wasn't, I didn't have people in. I wrote 150 new sermons every single year, along with 52 Sunday school um, lessons as well, every year. I, it took, this is game day for me. I, 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 I'm like, like I said, I'm like a dog with a bone. I don't like to give it up, and I give it up only when I have to, when we're going to be somewhere, okay? Now, I know with, you know, Kelton, you know, of course, he, he got a lot of experience last month, amen? It was sink or swim, but with him, you know, surrendering to preach and him doing a great job and, and Andy wanting to get involved, I'm going to, as, as, as a pastor, I need to step aside just a little bit and give these men some experience. I have to do that. But I am telling you this, to me, this, is, this, this has never been a chore, man. I've heard men say, well, preacher, I got the night off. I ain't got the night off. You know what happens if I don't preach tonight? I told Denise this. I said, really, man, I, I, you know, I want to press them to preach, man. But if I, if I didn't get to teach to, uh, preach tonight on Wednesday, I got to wait a whole another seven days before a Wednesday night sermon. Amen? Same with Sunday, same with Sunday night. And you say, well, preacher, it's just one week. Yeah, it's one week, man. Seven days is a long time, Okay. For me, it's like going without food for seven days, going without water. It's an honor and a privilege, and it always has been. I chomp at the bit for it. I'm excited about being right here, but guess what? That excitement I have behind the pulpit, that excitement I have to spend time with my wife, my family, with you guys, that ain't going to win the battles. We should be excited, I think, at the right time, right place, but we shouldn't synthesize it. We shouldn't fake it, bake it, and shake it, guys. It's a, it's a plague in our modern churches today that we face on a regular basis that, that people are faking the excitement. You ought to get excited about the Holy Spirit of God. You ought to get excited about the preservation of the, of the Holy Scripture. You ought to get excited about eternal security. You ought to get excited about the right things at the right time at the right place. But here's what we have to remember. Our confidence cannot rest in our excitement. 
There's going to be days that's dark and gloomy. There are going to be days that when you get into the pulpit, you know, man, you just don't want to do it. But you know what? You do it anyway. There's days where you question everything. You go anyway. There's days when you're just, you're tired, you're lonely, you're hurting, you're angry, whatever it may be. You sink your heels in and you do it anyway. Amen? Because excitement's not always going to be there. Energy is not always going to be there. Education may be there, but it is not going to help you in the midst of this battle where we walk in the flesh, but we do not war after the flesh. That is the present reality that we need to understand. Because the battle is in the mind. And what we must understand, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12, Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth, take heed lest he fall. Where is your confidence tonight? Where is your confidence in this present reality? Are you trusting, are you dependent in being bold? The, the bolder I can be, the more confident I can look. Well, that ain't nothing more than a blowfish or a puffer fish or porcupine fish, whatever those things are called, the blow them. That's all they're doing. They don't want to stick you with those things they got on the side of their body. They're getting bigger than what they normally are so that you'll go away. Amen? Same. What about a cobra? I love watching those nature films. I learn a lot out of nature. We think a cobra fans those big old things out, you know, their sides out, and they're, I'm going to kill you. That ain't what they're doing. They're trying to get big so that you run away. What about a rattlesnake? A rattlesnake's not shaking that rattler back there. You know, as, as dialing in to bite you because they hate you. It's not personal with them. They're shaking that rattler because they want you to go away. You understand? You know, so the battle's not going to be won in our life today. And trying to make ourselves look bigger. If, if boldness is where your confidence is resting. If brashness is where your confidence is resting. You're not always going to have the words to say at the right time, right place. Education, guys. There's always going to be somebody out there who has more education than you do. And probably the most educated individual in all of the universe today is Satan himself, and you are no match for him. Energy tonight. Energy will go. And if you're putting your confidence in your energy, then when it's gone, you're going to lose the battle. And then there's excitement. Where are you standing tonight? Are you standing on the excitement? That's, that's the, thing, the question I've always asked the Pentecostals. I've always asked them because they, their evidence of them having the Holy Spirit of God is how excited they are. I said, what are you doing on a bad day? And they said, what do you mean? I said, well, you know, you have depressing days, don't you? Oh, yeah, well, we all do, preacher. I said, you save that day? Well, I don't know. See, that's the difference between me and you. I believe in the Holy Scripture. On my worst day, I'm just as saved as I am on my best day. Amen. That makes you a little excited. So where's your confidence tonight, my friend? Is your confidence this evening resting in your boldness? Is your confidence in the present reality where we live? Walking in the flesh, but not able to war after the flesh. Where is your confidence in the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ? Where is your confidence in your life this evening? That when you take your next step forward, you know it's where God wants you to go. That's the question I want you to ask yourself. We'll pick up where we left off next week. Bow your heads if you will. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and time to be here. Lord, we thank you for this message this evening. We pray that you bless the rest of the service, dear God. Let us give you all the honor, glory, and praise for everything that is said and done this evening. And I just pray, Lord God, as we lift up the name of Christ, we lift up the name of our Lord Jesus Christ tonight, that, Lord, we would examine our lives of where our confidence is, the choices, decisions, the stance that we take and make, and 
and what we say and do on a daily basis, Father. My prayer tonight is that we would examine deeply where is that confidence resting in the present reality of where we live this very moment. Where is the confidence resting? In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen. Amen.